I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The CoLab, which is a member-led, inclusive global networking community for fashion, beauty, wellness, retail, and consumer luxury professionals. I'm glad you're back for season two, where we have more career stories. Every week, two members interview each other, so you'll get to hear two different stories. I hope you'll learn from these stories, listen to them, share them, and join us and tell your own story. Hi, everybody. My name is Richard Vera, and I am here with Victoria Lee, and we are here to talk about Victoria's career path. Um, so hi, Victoria. Hello, Richard. How are, How are you? you? Good, good. <laughs> so glad that we're here and that we have this opportunity to chat together. Um, yes. So let me begin by asking you a little bit about uh, your background. Can you tell me a little bit about where about your background in general, um, and I, I specifically want to know about where you go to, where did you go to school? Yeah, so I grew up in New Jersey, um, and I ended up going to college in New Jersey as well. I went to Princeton University, um, where I studied economics, and after graduating in 2016, I started at Barney's New York as an assistant buyer. Stayed there for about three and a half years, um, and I left as an associate buyer last September. And since then, I've been at Bloomingdale's as a merchandise planner. That's um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you for that. Um, so you went to Princeton. That is amazing. Congratulations for that. Thank so, you. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that because I'm very curious. Um, and I was just wondering what components, right, what elements of your education at Princeton you think that have made or are making today the biggest difference in your career? Yeah. Um, so I definitely come from a slightly less traditional background um, for a lot of merchandisers. Um, but I, it, it's funny because when I was at Princeton and in the econ department, I definitely was someone who skewed more on like the creative side of things. Um, and then coming out of Princeton and entering Barney's, I definitely paled in the creative side of things from a lot of my colleagues. And what I most really lean on today, like with my uh, educational background is more a lot of the anal analytical skills um, that you know, day to day in retail that we, those skills that we really need to heavily rely on in terms of like interpreting data or like reading a very long passage and getting like the main point distilled very quickly and sort of, you know, being able to skim things quickly and have major takeaways. I, I think those are um, some things that Princeton has done well to prepare me for, you know, the world. Um, but especially in retail, uh, I think that things move so quickly. There's so much going on. Um, and I think that I, I, I did feel prepared in that regard coming into um, an industry that is so fast paced. So I actually really enjoy that aspect of my job, um, that no day is the same. And uh, yeah, and that I'm sort of able to peruse quickly and gather the things that I sort of need to gather like efficiently, if that makes sense. It, it does make sense. So were you always planning to join a, a retail company or this is something that, that you kind of bumped into? Like how did it, how did you end up doing that? It, it was definitely not planned. Uh, I'm not going to lie. So it wasn't, so I all of my entire senior year, I was having like an existential 
crisis because I was applying to like all of these finance jobs because when you are an econ major at Princeton, that's kind of what you do is apply, go into finance. Um, and I was just every interview I had, I just like dreaded. And there was actually one interview that I had and the guy literally put down my resume and was just like, do you really want this job? Because he was like, I feel like you're kind of creative and I don't know that this is like the best fit. And obviously like then I was like very taken aback. I was like, of course I want this job. You know, like I, I love fixed income and whatever, you know, like, and, and I, when I got home, I realized that I needed to be in a space that gave me room to explore. And I got so lucky. I cannot stress to you how lucky I got. Some, someone from Barney's happened to have a sister who was my year and she had sent out an email to the entire econ department about a an internship in buying at Barney's and and it was like you know the email had read something like are you interested in business and fashion like we have like the perfect opportunity for you like blah 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 and I was like yeah I, I like fashion I shop all the time I also like business like let me just send in my information and I, I didn't even qualify for the internship because I was a senior. So they didn't even like want me, but I got so lucky because there happened to have been an opening for a full-time position and they forwarded my resume. And that was how I ended up uh, at Barney's, not knowing that this industry existed, not knowing that buying was even a career. Um, and so I did get really lucky in that regard. And I'm so thankful that I was able to get my foot in the door. <laughs> That's amazing. And the rest is history, right? And the rest, is, <laughs> exactly. Haven't, haven't ever wanted to leave since then. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I mean, obviously, the, the retail industry, I, I don't need to tell you this, but obviously it has been one of the hardest hit by the COVID situation right now. So um, I'm actually very curious to, to talk about that with you. And I'm sure that a lot of people are going to be curious uh, themselves. Um, so how, um, what is your, your point of view, right, on, on, on this COVID situation? How has this department store environment changed, especially after COVID? What have you seen? Um, how does it feel like? Um, we'd love to hear your, your comments. Yeah. So I, so having been at Barney's, um, and now Bloomingdale's, two iconic American department stores, one no longer with us, RIP Barney's, and one, you know, that is still, still doing like relatively okay in, in, in terms of like the environment of the climate of everything. So I, I am very fortunate to have lived through a restructure. Um, but I think that the thing about department stores that I've realized is it's such a small piece of the entire journey of product. And when people say I work in retail, what, like where, right. You know, like at what point in the process of like the life cycle of an item, where in this process do you fit in? And I have realized that as consumers are sort of changing and as people's values about sustainability and transparency and like the supply chain, as all of these things are sort of bubbling up in more and more consumers perspectives, I, I think department stores are realizing that it's in order to be on, in order to be in line with customer values, there is a transparency issue that wholesale just does not 
have access to. And that's why I think you see all these DTC brands popping up and they're very easily able to sort of, you know, have a place in the market for a very specific thing that they do. But it's it's interesting because wholesale is by definition middlemen. You're introducing more players into it. And I just think that as like on the whole, like I don't think wholesale is going away anytime soon right now, but I think that going forward, department stores are going to have to figure out a way how to sort of adapt to those changing values that customers are now demanding of retailers and rightfully so, you know, like I I think that this undue pressure to grow and grow and grow exponentially with no opportunity, with no ability for for a brand or any sort of business to breathe and and adapt to its growth, if that makes sense, to grow slower and sustainably. Um, I think that is probably the first thing that department stores really need to address is this pressure to grow. Fashion, by definition, is fickle and you know seasonal it things come into style and then they go out of style that it's hard to sustain growth when you know that there is going to be an end so i i think it's just personally i think it's a disconnect between the highest echelons of leaders and how the rest of the industry works because if you think about it a lot of the companies are run by these you know MBA type, businessmen type who are all about like the bottom line. And I know that they're answering to investors in a board, but at the same time, the people who are shopping it, the people who are creating the product, these are all very creative types. And so I think that you sort of have to be able to marry the two and not, and realize that yes, obviously the bottom line is important. Being profitable is important, but how do you be profitable in an industry that by definition has these troughs built into it that you're never going to have upward trajectory forever because things, you know, like maybe your today sweatpants are super selling really, really well because everybody is at home. But what happens if, you know, suddenly sweatpant demand switches into something totally different? And so I, I think it's just important to realize that like knowing that there is an end kind of helps you better prepare rather than sort of wanting to ride the wave, so to speak, for like a, as long as possible. That is super interesting, I have to say. I mean, I'm not in fashion. I, I am in, in beauty. So um, everything that you just said just resonates with me um, in regards to what I have heard from friends and family about fashion and things like that. So I'm curious about your thoughts in the future of retail, specifically as it, as it pertains to fashion. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, where do you see this going? Yeah. So I, I think some of the change is already happening. And I think that, I don't know if you read this very fascinating um, article in the New York times. It was um, about band of outsiders, uh, Scott Sternberg, who used to run band of outsiders and now runs entire world. So he wrote, he was interviewed for an article and I thought that it was really fascinating because it said that basically every, everybody is pulling back in luxury, in fashion, right? Like, you know, we have some shows for the spring, summer 21 season, but not a lot. And some of them are very different, you know, things are changing and no one is traveling, right? Like, you know, people, I, 
I, I used to have to travel and go to market. Now we do everything over the internet. And so I think that first off, eliminating unnecessary anything is like the first step. And so I think people are realizing that, you know, demand, like why produce stuff if no one is going to buy it? Right. And I think that, again, this kind of goes back to that um, undue pressure on growth and and pushing like maximizing like everything and maximizing like uh, sales and maximizing like the units and, and all of that pressure that we all generally experience. Um, I think the first step is to recognize that there are other factors that we sort of need to prioritize, especially in this moment. And for me, I see a lot of opportunity in in these specific values that I like sustainability, for instance. I, I think that we really need to focus our energy there because by by sacrificing things like, you know, markdowns, like having so much inventory that you have to mark down a portion of your inventory, like these are all reasons why people just consume, 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 and therefore discard, discard, discard. And so I think people, consumers are changing the way that they shop, especially due to COVID. People are at home all the time. They realize that they have so much junk laying around. No one wants to just be buying things for no reason. Things are a lot more specific and purposeful. And I think that going forward, fashion especially is going to also see that happen. And what I mean by that is like, do we need a collection, four collections a year? Do we need to produce two times as more if we think that we're only going to sell like half of that amount, right? Like that's a very common thing people talk about is like, what's your sell-through rate? Well, if a healthy sell-through rate is like, if you're targeting like a 50% sell-through rate, that means that you're buying twice the amount of inventory. And like, is that necessary? Like, are there tools available in terms of data that we can implement so that we're not spending all of this time and energy gathering product that people don't even like want? And so I think that it's important to recognize that there are going to be some sacrifices made. For instance, you might walk sales, which is like blasphemy to do in a department store, right? Like you can't, oh my God, like God forbid, like you walk a sale, but like sometimes like that might just need to happen because it it also says like, to me, it also says something good about the brand when something is sold out, because it means that they're not just producing things for the sake of producing things. They're they're in touch with their customers. And also like, it, you know, it shows that there's demand for this. And, and if other people want it, I'm more inclined to want it too. So it, it's not even like, it doesn't actually butt heads with like doing business, right? Like brand hype is real. And that is also valuable to these companies, I think, especially in fashion. And so to, to circle back and to just wrap it all up, I, I, I think that the future of fashion is is definitely going to be a lot more minimal. But I also think that there will be these themes that consumers are starting to value more and more, like sustainability, like transparency. Are you paying your suppliers? Are you paying your suppliers fairly? You know, like, honestly, like, paying paying your, your factories and your suppliers a fair wage might not even cut it anymore. Like, why just the minimum, right? Like, why can't you pay them a good wage? And so 
if, if we have those priorities in mind before you actually implement any sort of strategy, right? Like companies have to abide by the law, but like companies don't abide by ethical moral decisions per se, right? Like you can conduct business legally without having to subject yourself to these harder demands, such as, am I doing the right thing? And so I think that that needs to be the future. Like that's what people, that's the standard that we should be holding fashion, retail companies and brands to. That's really great. That's really great. I I have to say that I do agree with you. And, you know, I I feel that COVID might just do that, right? I mean, this could be that, um, that, that button that pushes and makes this industry pivot. Um, into a sustainable business model, into a more efficient business model. You know, coming totally. back to your comments about, about you know, basically just producing way too much waste, which is something that I have heard before in the past. So thinking about that, you know, like just, just um, as we think about the future of, of fashion and retail in general, like what advice would you give to somebody? Uh, there's a lot of people right now that are furloughed and are looking for opportunities in fashion. Like what advice would you give to people that are currently looking for opportunities in, in fashion and in retail in general? Yeah, I, well, I too was furloughed. Um, so between April and July, I, I was also furloughed for three months. Um, so I totally can relate um, to anybody who is out of work or looking for a job right now. I, I know it's so tough, um, but I think that this answer, the answer to that, I think is basically, I think you should allow yourself the time and flexibility to do things that might seem on the surface unproductive. And what I mean by that is I, when I first got furloughed, it was like, oh my, I, you know, started freaking out. I was like, oh my God, I need to like, you know, do my cover letter or whatever. And like, I have to like send out applications or like whatever. And all of this pressure on myself to do like the quote unquote productive thing, I there was a point when I decided that I just like, let me read, like, let me do some research about the things that interest me that I just don't have time to do in my day to day, right? Like, for instance, right now, I plan for women's shoes. Who are the shoe? Who are the big shoe players right now? Like in my segment of the market, like, those are like the types of like little things that I just never have time to go look up or read about. Or like, uh, like that, uh, there was like a Dior biopic that I never got to watch. And so, you know, like it's those little things that seem like they don't matter, but actually end up being really important because for instance, like when you're interviewing with people and you have an idea of what's happening in the world, that becomes ammo for you, like in your next interview in your next, whatever, like when you have conversations with people you know, like, obviously, like, your accomplishments are really important, but it's also about, like, how you are going to move forward into the future. And so I think that allowing yourself the time to do that sort of research and learning and educational experience that you might not have time otherwise if you're working to do, I think that's super important. And it also helps, like, orient your goals as well, because um, in my time, I... I actually also ended up studying for the GMAT um, because I, you know, it's something that I never get a chance to do, even though I do want to go to grad school someday. You know, I I took the time to sort of do something that I don't normally get to do, which is 
I'm super grateful for, honestly. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that you should take the chance to move in a direction that you actually want to move towards. And I think COVID for me really showed me how wasteful my spending habits used to be. Um, I definitely was one of those people who like reorganized everything and like did huge cleanings and all of this stuff. And I, you know, I wondered to myself, like, why did I buy all this stuff that I didn't actually need? And so looking forward, that's something that I've now prioritized um, in any future opportunities that I'm looking at. Um, that's something that I want to work towards. And I wouldn't have learned that if I didn't take the time the last couple of months when I wasn't working to read about all of the issues uh, and things that are happening in the world. Good for you. I think that's great. Good for you. So, so where do you see yourself in the future then? Oof. <laughs> That is definitely a work in progress. Um, well, the short answer is that short term wise, I am still learning a ton about merchandise planning and um, internal strategy work um, that I think that's obviously like very important to understand. Um, but the longer answer, and I don't have necessarily specifics on this just yet is that I want to be some in a position where I can affect positive change. And I know that sounds super cheesy, but what I mean is like, I, as an Asian American woman, you know, like I remember when I joined Bloomingdale's, I was so excited that like my whole team was like women. I was like, yeah, like women, lots of women. This is super awesome. And I walk into like an all hands meeting and there's not a single woman in our C-suite executive team. And on top of that, like, you know, there's also not a single person of color in our C-suite. And, you know, that's not nothing against them. Like, I, I think that, you know, that's just like a situation that we sort of were just in. But I don't know, like retail and fashion, there's, it's so diverse. It's so about the creative as much as it is about the data and like the numbers And I think that I just want to be someone who can use whatever position that I'm in to help make these decisions and, and be the person who asks those really hard questions. Like, sure, we could hire this model that we've been using forever, but like, what if we went in a different direction, right? Like pushing the boundaries on like how we market and also like what brands are we supporting? Like, you know, looking at like my portfolio, like my brand matrix of like the brands that we carry, like how many of these are actually owned and run by people of color. And, you know, like these are the important things that I think that future consumers really, really care about. And I just want to be in a place where I can help push that forward, uh, if that makes sense. And, and, you know, going back to the sustainability issue, like I want to be in a place where, you know, I want to, be able to say, hey, you know, let's not use that cheaper factory, even though we might get a fatter margin on it. Let's go with the one where they're, you know, certified and they're, they're paying, we know, like, we know their transparent practices, like, let's go with them. Because even if we're making slightly less, at least we know that, like, we are putting, you know, our money where our mouth is and that we are actually sustainable and not just claiming to be sustainable. Like I want to be able to have that oversight of the whole process, you know, like even the little plastic tabs on like 
your drawstring of your sweatpants. Someone had to like produce that and make that. And that's like someone that you also have to pay. And also something that has to go into a landfill should you ever throw that out. And so I sort of, I I just want to be in a place where I can say that I'm trying, that I've made a positive impact on retail in any shape, way, or form, Uh, whether that's like, you know, running my own, starting my own company or going to grad school and like eventually becoming an executive somewhere else. Like that, that's definitely something that I want to just do directionally with my life. So I know that wasn't a very specific answer. (laughs) That was a great answer. So Victoria, I just had a couple more questions to ask you. Um, So I wanted to ask you about what are your proudest moments um, in your career? Like, what can you tell me that, that made you so happy, so proud? Yeah. So, uh, when I first got promoted to be an associate buyer, um, it was very like in, in buying, I don't, if, if you aren't familiar, pe- buyers, even though we all work with each other, no one's actually having the same identical job because we all cover different areas. So when I first got promoted to associate buyer, I, you know, it was like first time having full control of the entire buying process. And um, I was so excited to find this brand that I absolutely loved. They're called Sunday School. Um, They're like a men's streetwear brand. um, And they're run by two Korean American um, friends now. Um, And so we were able to launch them exclusively for uh, for Barney's in 2019 at the start of 2019 i want to say um which was end of 2018 start of 2019 which was honestly like so exciting to see something that i felt very strongly about and then you know a couple months later to see it online and in stores and um to have been a part of that is just like super exciting like having that sort of um end-to-end um view of everything like something so tangible like I can't describe to you like how awesome that feels to see like hey I worked on that you know like we I I talked to them I negotiated all of this stuff and now it's here you know like now I'm touching it now it's real um so that's like that was honestly like a huge highlight of my career that I um that was super duper exciting (laughs) that's fantastic and is there anything that you would change in your career you know I've (laughs) I've like actually thought about this a lot, but I genuinely wouldn't like, I, I think that all of the experiences that I have, like my personal view about experiences that don't necessarily really fit per se is, is that you can sort of take advantage of any situation that you're in and like make it fit. And what I mean by that is, you know, in, in college and in my undergrad experience, I've never interned at a fashion company before. And while like my gut reaction is to be like, oh, I wish that I, you know, entered the industry, so to speak, like sooner and that I didn't waste my time like doing the other experiences. But I learned a lot of very valuable skills from those other experiences. I, my junior summer, I interned when most people would be interning like in their chosen field. I was interning in finance. I was at a VC company um, doing market research. And so, you know, coming out of that, I took that market research skill set and now I can apply it to a, a totally new industry. But, you know, like had I maybe had I just 
started in retail or it started in fashion, I might not have gained that particular experience that gave me like a new set of skills that I can now translate into different, you know, different things. And I, and I think that the really awesome thing about retail is that it is specific, but it's also like very general if you think about it, because everybody needs to buy stuff. And so you're catering to like, not just one subset of people, but it's like, you kind of have to understand how people work generally in order to like understand the industry. Um, so yeah, like I, yes, not all of my past experience, you know, lines up to be like where it is, where I want to be necessarily, but I honestly wouldn't change anything because I, I did learn something valuable in each of those things and was able to take it with me as I go forward. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Victoria. This was such an amazing conversation, very insightful. I'm sure that, you know, you're going to achieve all your goals. Um, so I congratulate you in advance. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Of course. Thank you so much, Richard. It was great speaking with you. Thanks for listening to the CoLab Career Stories. Follow us on social media at Join the CoLab and join us so you can tell your story.